Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Game 6 Clay Podcast. It's me, Gotham, here with my boys, Matt and Charlie. Um, so let's get right into it, guys. Last night, tough, tough loss. 134-132 um, to a good good Dallas team, surprisingly, um, uh, I guess, underachieving this season so far. But a lot of talent there. But uh, split that um, split that little Dallas home and away and away series. Um, let's just get right into it, bro. Steph Curry, 57 points. Um Dude's insane. Uh, absolutely, I think, has, should be in the MVP conversation regardless of how good or bad the Warriors record is. Um, the numbers the dude's putting up is insane. Um, so I'll let you guys uh, tackle that one first. Um, Matt, Charlie? Yeah, I mean, I got to say, that was just some vintage stuff. You know, when you're seeing him work in that two-man game with Draymond and getting the open shots he does, working his way into the lane and having all those incredible finishes. I mean, down the stretch, you just knew he was going to get the ball. He was still killing it, still getting good looks, putting him in somehow through some really tough defense. And one other thing I got to give credit to is Draymond. I mean, the guy, like, played his entire game to set Steph up on the offensive end. I mean, that is his entire role now. And he teed him up perfectly with so many opportunities. I mean, you can't say enough about 15 assists, but the way he just works Steph into space and is able to confuse the defense with the way he sets screens and the way he positions himself is just so huge for getting him those open looks. Yeah, I mean, we can't say enough. I think I think bringing Draymond up in that conversation is always kind of important because they almost feel like uh, they're so interconnected that it's it would be it would be uh we'd be remiss in our duties to uh you know not bring Draymond up there, but. Yeah, it's cool, man. It's also it's any number of things. It's encouraging to hear Kerr talk about after the game, and this is the best he's seen Steph look, um, and how he's never seen this level of shot making from Steph. He's never seen Steph look stronger, and I think it's that's totally accurate at this point because I think Van Gundy hit it a couple times last night, or, or Jackson did. I forget who, but when, when the defense is designed to stop one guy, and he's doing what he's doing, and Steph is doing what he's doing here, and he's averaging twenty nine a game now. He's shooting. I think 43% from three or 42.5 from three. And it's since, since those two first uh, games, like 45, uh, it just goes to show that he's, he should be in the MVP conversation. Gotham, I totally agree, man. I think uh, the fact that, I mean, the MVP has these ladders that come, the NBA has these ladders that come out uh, often every, every week, I think at this point. And Steph somehow isn't in the top five, even, even though this Warriors team is projected to be uh, the second worst team in the West. Um, it's a, it's a bit disgraceful, I think, in having Luca above him in particular uh, is especially interesting, just given the fact that the Mavs were projected to be this, you know, top four, top five seed in the West this year. And Luca was supposed to be, uh, I think he was the MVP favorite going into the year by, from a lot of people. Um, the fact that he has, I think, objectively underperformed. I mean, he's putting up awesome numbers, awesome counting stats, but the percentages aren't there. Uh, and Steph is taking this squad every single night and keeping them competitive, which with this particular group can't be overstated, man. It's just encouraging too to see uh just seeing this makes me feel very, very confident that Steph's gonna age really, really well. Um and I do like I, I think of him as a Steve Nash 2.0 in a lot of ways. I think Steph has the potential to play well into his late thirties at a high level. I think Steve Nash made his last all-star team at the age of like 37, 38. Um and just seeing Steph maintain this level of production right now, um it's encouraging for his long-term, long-term health and long-term uh, success, I think. 
Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with what both of you guys said. I think it goes. I think it's just it just shows how great Steph Curry is, man. You can put him in any situation. You put him surround him with an All Star team, guys like Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, um, you know, guys like AC Law back in the day, and then now you guys got you got guys like Wiggins, Oubre, Draymond. Obviously, um, it just shows how great of a superstar he he is and what he's become. Um, I think uh, it wouldn't be remiss to say he's the best player in the league. Um, right now, I think if you're if you're a betting man, uh, as I am, uh, you'd probably take Steph Curry um, number one in most uh, most drafts. Um, the guy's an absolute juggernaut on offense, and we're seeing, like you said, Matt, like just the amount of shot making, what like just what he's doing is insane. I think um, what Steve Kerr is saying is uh, spot on. Like, there's no way, um, like we've never seen this before. Um, we've seen Steph do it in stretches, but to just put the team on his back and just carry us wins or losses, and that's why these losses hurt a lot more you know you can't the other night when we had uh I think we lost the, the Celtics or whatever Steph at 38 another vintage performance last night 57 um and I think it just shows that you know this team is literally a Clay Thompson away from being a championship team contender um and just a championship team so I think for Steph to have the, uh, the level of production he's having this year and Charlie like you said I, I like that you brought up Draymond as well because um, what, what do you guys said it like they go hand in hand together. Um, Draymond is the perfect kind of point forward that fits in with Steph's play style. Um, the guy will find him. He's averaging like what he had like 15 assists back to back games or something. Um, like the guy's insane. And I think both of them, uh, hand, hand in hand are really putting this team on their back. Um, to be what are, what are we 12 and 11 right now? Something like that. Um, to be 12 and 11, like you said, Matt, we were projected to be the second worst team in the conference. Um, and I, yeah, I agree. I think it's very disrespectful that Steph's not on an MVP, like on those MVP uh, lists and stuff. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, he he doesn't care about that stuff. Um, he's um, and nor nor should we, to be honest. But like as fans, obviously we do. But um, the biggest thing for us is to just keep racking up these wins. And um, you know, we're still in such a good spot. Um, I think uh, if we throw it back to that first podcast we recorded um, on Game Six Clay, like just that preseason stuff. Our biggest thing was the first twenty something games, just be competitive and be in a spot where you can make a run down the stretch. Um, you know, we've talked about it before. We have the easiest schedule, um, at least pay on paper. Um, so it's just about going out there, taking care of business. We're seeing Ubre kind of. He had a couple good games. Uh, Wiggins obviously developing uh, as well. Um, I I I, th- I know the the centers. I, I kind of want to get into the centers or like lack thereof of big men right now. But I love the way the team looks offensively um, without any big men um as you know as it might not sound <laughs> it might not sound basketball sound but basketball sound wise whatever that means but um I think that uh um I think that the team is built for uh like running and gunning and um having no center on the court no disrespect to Wiseman or Looney or anything I think they're great players and fit in well when they do play but um I think this team is at its best when Draymond or you know, Pascal is going to be that, you know, stretch five that can just go out and run and create offense. Yeah, I think someone yeah. put in a tweet the other day, uh, your game last night, actually, with regards to going fast, that first game against Dallas kind of showed why Golden State should want to play fast more, but that second game kind of showed why they might be hesitant to do so. Uh, they, just, they weren't racking up any stops. I totally agree. They should, they should play Steph with a lot more uh, spread offense and, you know, playing with a lot of pace. But on another note, they could not – the rebounding thing is still very real, you know, uh, which is an issue going forward. I also got them. I want to push back on one thing, man. I think we got to stop calling it vintage Steph. But that, I mean, that was you, Charlie. I forget who, but 
I think this is just Steph, guys. Just, yeah, it's just Steph, man. It Steph. is just Steph Curry. I think, I think Steph has still been to Steph. I think in four or five years, we can start calling him <laughs> Steph. But for now, he is just Steph. Um, I think real quick before we get into uh, center stuff, do you guys want to talk about just the loss last night and some of your frustrations and takeaways um, from that loss in particular? Yeah. Hey, Charlie, just, send it. Yeah, I want to touch on one more thing. I think you guys brought up a really interesting point with the MVP conversation. And I think we're really lucky that, you know, at this point, Steph's already got two. He's had several other seasons where he was in the running. He doesn't need that validation anymore. And we're obviously, you know, he's not going to have to be stat hogging down the run because he wants trophies. Like, that's not the kind of player he is. Um, And I think when you look at Luka, like, I think you nailed it on the head, Matt. Like, the Mavericks and Luka are objectively underperforming based on the expectations coming into the season. and we had higher expectations, but based on the general media trends, Steph and the Warriors are overperforming by a lot. And then when you look at just how the things have gone with the media conversation, very little has changed. And I think this has just been something that's sort of building to a head over the last really decade or so is that the media drives narratives about MVPs and they just go a certain way. And it becomes so hard to like change the preconceived notion of like, oh, Luca was that MVP next up this year. And why is he not doing that? Oh, let's give him a little, you know, benefit of the doubt. And other dudes who should be in that conversation, you know, not only like Steph, but, you know, I think Joel Embiid deserves a much fairer shake than he's getting. Like, I think Giannis is still having an insane season and people seem to be forgetting about that. Like, it just, you know, it gets so clogged up with all these ideas that people have already built in their heads that, it's hard to get anywhere. So, you know, for me, that's something I'm just like putting so far out of mind right now because it's not going to be reflected with what's happening on the court. And I, you know, I think when you talk about last night, just to touch more on Draymond and the small ball, like seeing him pay it, play at that pace is so refreshing because it's so many times he just looks disengaged in slower paced games. And I think when you have him in this up tempo where he's making quick decisions and he's really like the nexus of the offense. Like he initiates all the offense. He creates all the looks for everybody else. And obviously that all flows through Steph, but he wants to be at his maximum engagement. And I think having that small ball factor really gives it to him. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Draymond, I mean, he, he for as far as, you know, his purpose goes as the point guard of the team. I mean, Steph, Steph is the point guard, obviously positionally speaking, but Draymond gets the show moving. He he literally runs the offense, and I think it's a good way to put that, Charlie, saying that the offense runs through Steph, but Draymond makes it go. You know what I mean? Um, from the beginning, mm-hmm. so that's a huge point. I think he does look so much more engaged when he's playing the five. Uh, I think he really relishes that challenge on defense and being that anchor, and it looks he just looks so much more energetic the last couple of nights. And I don't think it's in small part because of his role. And like you said, I think he goes on both sides of the court. He's running the offense a little more. He has a lot more pace to – to use and he's awesome within the, when the team plays a pace and also just on the other end um being that anchor is just where he thrives you know and I thought just real quick uh I guess as we transition into the talk about the game I, I think that was the best individually uh Draymond's looked as a defender in a long time now, his help defense has been good all season but when he was guarding Luca he felt he and Wiggins felt like the only guys where I was like damn that's they're actually staying in front of that guy and they were not remotely close to like phase guardians so I thought that was pretty cool um with regards to the loss though uh where do you guys point your fingers what do you think the biggest issues were um 
what are your biggest takeaways? Um, I mean, I feel like it's tough to put it on any one thing, to be honest. I feel like a lot of it was just um, the Mavs just had a better team. Um, I think every time the Warriors were able to come back and, you know, make that push, a lot of it was on Steph's back. Um, obviously, the guy was feeling he had like 40 and like three quarters or something. It's insane. Um, but I mean, I think at the end, I, I, I wasn't even that discouraged last night. Um, obviously, it sucks losing, especially after, like we said earlier, like performances like that from Steph, Draymond, um, and just to get so close. But I mean, the Mavs, even for as for as much as they're like underperforming, they're a really good team. Um, they have a they have a lot of good pieces around, um, and they're kind of a team that's built to beat at least this Warriors team right now. Um, you know, Luca is always Luca's got that um, firepower. KP's got you know he's a big center that can shoot. Um, we're obviously not the best rebounding team. They got some big guys, so I think that um, overall these like these last two games I think were very encouraging. Um, I think game one was uh, was great to see you know other guys Uber step up, but for last night, I, mean, I think it just comes down to the that second unit that bench unit man. Like I think we got to go back to Wiggins just running the show with that. Um, we've talked about it before, just texting each other, but, um, I don't think Uber is the answer in that second unit. Um, I think that Wiggins is, uh, just defensively and offensively. He just understands the system better, uh, at least right now. And, and, and you can see it on the court. So I think that, um, if you had to pin it out or anything, it'd be just the other guys not really stepping up. But, um, at the end of the day, bro, like that's a tough loss, two point loss, high scoring game, um, it's one of those, but I'm not as discouraged as I thought I was last night. I'm just kind of thinking about it, just reading some stuff um, on Twitter and just, um, you know, what the guys are saying after the game. So I think that um, going forward, um, you know, starting off this little road trip, um, one and one, not too bad. Um, and we're seeing that the Warriors are fine. They're finding, they're finding stuff that works offensively. At least that starting unit um, is, is kind of figuring some stuff out. We're kind of seeing that the last few games, especially against the Celtics. I thought that that was a really good, um, moniker for how good the Warriors are looking offensively and defensively. We know the, uh, the, the potential they have, how they, how well they have played this season. So I think now it's just a matter of putting it all together for a stretch of games and, um, to be over 500 still, um, and now only figuring it out, um, I think is a good position to be in. Um, so yeah, tough loss, but, um, I think there's a lot more good than bad that we can take away from it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I think when you're looking at, you know, like they ran nine guys back to back games against a really tough squad that runs super deep, has so many contributors and without Pascal, especially to be able to put up the kind of points they did with these small ball looks. I thought that was really impressive. And I think going forward, you know, Gautami touched on it. Like, I think incorporating some of these small ball looks has to be part of what they do going forward, at least on a matchup basis. And personally, I would love to see, you know, when the roster comes to full health, like maybe JTA getting getting some minutes over Kavan. I think, you know, this doesn't, it's not, you know, like some death sentence for Wiseman because I think he's shown like he's got the athleticism and he's got the open court handle. He's got at least a bit, bit of a shooting ability. You know, I don't think he would be a total clog in the lane for a fast-paced small offense. So he can at least work in there in some looks. But I think you know these last games really showed that when they are going at breakneck speed, like offensively and defensively, this team can really get after it and make teams super uncomfortable.
Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I, it was it was a lot of fun to see him run. I think we all kind of feel that same way. Uh, as and Gotham, I think hitting on the uh, Wiggins point was huge, man. I think uh, it's kind of strange to say this, obviously, but I think he's the best. He's the best. Um, the offense should run through him in that second unit. Like it's a pretty obvious uh, piece we're missing right now. I think, and he he does look so comfortable as an initiator with, with that second group, and I think they'd really thrive uh, going back to him because, as you noted. Uh, Ubre and Wanamaker kind of running the show there doesn't work. I, we've kind of been saying all year, you know, Wanamaker, um, he's not a creator. He's not somebody who I would want doing more than a, racking up hockey assists. And, he's the worst player on the team, in my opinion, right now. Uh, there's some debate there between him and uh, KO, you know, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, he's not a guy who should be doing more than uh, catching and shooting and you know racking, making the next pass. Basically, as far as I'm concerned on offense, uh, when he when he dribble drives, man, it's not it's not a productive. Not move. pretty. It's not pretty. Uh, but I do think we should hit on though. I mean, this team's been bad in the first quarter all year, and I think you know if you want to point, that's what I would point to as the reason for this loss. It's really hard to start a game down eighteen to two. You know. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's hard to start a uh, it's hard to start a game down eighteen two and win. It just is. You know, you start out the game down by sixteen points at the beginning, uh, and you lose by two points. I think it's you look at that first quarter. If they lose that quarter by six points, it's a different game. You lose by eight points, it's a different game. Um, but I do like that none of us, you know, were pointing to the refs. I and mean, the refs are not awesome, but yeah, but there's a thousand different things you can look at. The reason yeah. that uh, I like that uh, Charlie, you you hit on uh, JTA for a sec, man. Uh, that guy needs a roster spot. That's just that's straight up he's roster squad. He's probably the fourth or fifth smartest basketball player on the team, uh, if not even third behind Dre and Steph. To be honest, uh, he needs he needs a spot in that team, especially if he's shooting you know within three or four percentage points of what he is now. You know, if he's right there, that guy's he's a smart basketball player. He's a versatile defender. Uh, he makes the right play. Uh, it does make it a little frustrating to know they only have nine guys tonight, in part because you know Smiley's on the team. If Smiley's not, then he's taking a roster spot. He's not getting minutes. He's not going to get minutes in the Steph Curry era, I don't think, if at all. And if that doesn't happen, he's not going to be the team anymore. So that's one of my big takeaways as well is JTA needs to be there. Um, I forget which of you mentioned uh, Pascal, but if ever there was a series where Pascal would have thrived, you know, I keep calling it a series, it's a baseball series, but um, if ever there was a series where EP would have thrived, it would have been this one, man. Playing with pace uh, in a small ball lineup, Nobody on that team is guarding him down low uh, with his head down. Uh, I think that would have been an awesome series to have him. I think it going 2-0 going would have been uh, even more possible with him. Um, I definitely do want to see this team play with more pace, though. And I think you're right, Charlie. I don't think Wyatt ruins that, at least offensively. I would get curious to see how turned around, though, Wyatt gets defensively if it's a back-and-forth running game. That's kind of the only uh, issue I might have with that one. Yeah, I could see that. I think that would be – a tough problem and I think that's where having the more engaged Draymond next to him really makes a big difference because we saw that on defense I mean was it six steals four blocks last night to go with 15 assists I mean who can do that in the league who can put up those numbers in yeah we do that game? stuff in 2k bro that's just hard to do in 2k yeah seriously you're just like if you were trying to spam for that you wouldn't even bro. get it like that's crazy so I think you know having him playing at that high level is huge and having JTA too Oh, we know he brings that energy, but having him on the glass, I mean, I know the rebounds were flying all over the place in these games, but 18 rebounds in the two games against the Mavs, and he chipped in seven assists. So, like, that is exactly what you need 
from a guy like him. I mean, that's you huge. You say JTA chipped in seven assists? Over two games, yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah, that's awesome, man. He can give you three and a half, three assists a game. You know what I mean? That's that's epic, man. That's probably, you know, they're on the team at that point. He does. He does. Like, yeah. Huge, man. And he- that's just – and, you know, like, that's the nice thing about, like, the Warriors team is you don't have to be – when you're in that role player spot, you don't have to be some supremely skilled passer. You have to make quick decisions, and you got to put it in the shooting pocket. Like, that's so, all you have to do. And he's so incredibly good at that for his size. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point, man. He's like a – I, I kind of see him as like a Iguodala light in a way. A very poor man's Iguodala. Um, not very poor. I mean, JTA has been really good, so I don't want to discredit him at all. But I also don't want to take away from Andre. Um, but speaking of, you know, making quick decisions, um, making the next basketball play, doing the right thing, somebody who doesn't do that is our guy, Kelly Oubre. Uh, oh, I a great we, intro. We've all gone, uh, you know – pretty heavy, uh, pretty heavily uh, emotionally invested into the Ubre experiment. I know I certainly have. I, I ranted last night to my dad about it. He was not having it. He's told me to quit whining basically and chill out. <laughs> no, but, uh, it was a, uh, I'm about, I, I'm done. I'm kind of over it. I, I like Kelly a lot as a basketball, as a human, sorry, do not love him as a basketball player on the Warriors. Um, I love the energy he brings. I love, you know, um, how he, he loved to, he loved to be a warrior, it seems like. But the experiment, I'm not going to say it's not working. I'm going to say it didn't work. You know, the experiment has not worked so far. And it's not going to get better, I don't think. We're, you know, more than a quarter of the way through the season. Uh, last night, I think he finished up minus seven. Um, it's just at a certain point, you need to surround this team with smart basketball players. And I think having having JTA in that lineup uh, just kind of showed what this team could be, not even with great shooting, but with smart players. And Kelly uh, – at least in this system, doesn't know how to make the right reads, doesn't know uh, where to be on offense or defense still a lot of the time. And even even defensively, uh, my mind's kind of gone to a place where I think he's – I think he tries really hard. I think he's very long and athletic, but I don't think he's uh, a guy where unless – where a star player or a second a second option is being guarded by him and feels uncomfortable because Kelly is just so – he's so twitchy and not necessarily in a good way, but he fights a lot of stuff. He gambles a lot. Uh, I don't think his value defensively really warrants having him on the roster anymore. Not that I ever know that it, that it did. Uh, so I, I'm, uh, yeah, my expectations going in, I'd say we're just having a guy who could get you, you know, maybe not 20, you know, but he got 18, five last year, I think getting you 16, 20 points a game relatively efficiently. Um, who was not going to be the ball stopper he is, but he has been that it's been a bit disappointing to uh, see the letdown there. What are your guys' thoughts on Kelly thus far? Uh, expectations, disappointments, how are we feeling? I think I had really, I had really high expectations defensively. And the one thing I will credit him for, I think, you know, he does gamble a lot and he makes a lot of plays that really guards in the warrior system just shouldn't be doing. But, you know, at the same time, like this has been a top 10 defense by most metrics over this recent stretch. And I think that's something that's here to stay. I mean, this team is really solid defensively. And the fact that Kelly can put a lot of pressure on opposing number one or number two ball handlers, something Steph can never re- can't really do, something that the other guards on the team, besides maybe Baysmore, can't really do, I think brings a really important factor to the team. And so I think when you look at you know, it's not, it's like, I think we we're at least lucky to this point that it hasn't been some absolute zero. Like the guy hasn't been, you know, completely incompetent, but on offense, I think 
the most frustrating thing is just seeing him bang his head against the wall night in and night out. And even when he had that explosion with the Mavericks, I mean, he was doing the same things and making the same decisions for the most part throughout that game. It's just that all those things happened to go very well against a very poor defense that couldn't guard him. And, you know, I know we've all had fun with that graphic where it's the, you know, cycle of the Kelly Oubre experience. And I think right now we're right between uh, plays really well and then goes back to shit. And, you know, two days from now we'll want to trade him. So uh, I think that's the frustrating part is, you know, that the the volatility in the stat lines has been there night to night, but the consistent, like, head-scratching play on offense is a nightly guarantee like it's just gonna happen like the guy just can't make high level decisions that even gel with a team clock awareness he had that there was that play where Draymond threw a beautiful just full court pass man and if Kelly had laid it up as opposed to you know going for the dunk which I (laughs) I think we all know that's just a staple of who he is like no matter how easy the layup would be or how much more effective it would be he's almost you know 90% of the time gonna try and throw it down and if he just lays that thing up the Warriors points. points. The Warriors get overtime. Overtime right there. OT game potentially. And it's that level of awareness. He just seems to get so just one track mind and so uh, tunnel vision to that the next thing is just not there. I mean, Charlie, I think you you uh commented on a tweet I had the other day where I said, uh, you know, Kelly, he passes the ball once and once he gets it back, I don't need to tell you what happens next, right? We know what's happening once Kelly Uber gets the ball a second time in possession. It's not going back anywhere else. Um but anyway, there's a bit of a tangent there. Uh, Gotham, what are your thoughts, man? Yeah, man. I, I mean, I think you guys summed it up pretty, pretty well. Um, I, I, th- I think it hasn't worked out either. Um, I had great expectations coming in for Uber this season. I thought, um, I thought we'd see, I thought we'd see him, you know, kind of s- seamlessly transition in more than Wiggins did. At least that was what I thought coming in. Um, so to see how well Wiggins has has come in, somebody that you know has come from being a that kind of on the spotlight player in like the focal point of a system in Minnesota um, to, for him to be able to transition seamlessly into like this, you know, kind of move the ball kind of offense where, where some of like Kelly Oubre, who has always been kind of a, you know, plug him in and, you know, let him, he's three and D kind of guy, or at least he was a three and D kind of guy. Um, and um, so I, I, I really, it was really shocking to see, um, I think a lot of, a lot of it was just that early season shooting yips. I mean, the guy just I just couldn't find a shot. He couldn't make a bucket. Um, so I think that he just started off so tough. And then, you know, obviously you get a new fan base, um, you know, clamoring for you to make a three that 0 for 25, whatever, whatever the hell that shit was. Um, so I think a lot of it was uh, – a lot of it was that starting season kind of just really bad. And like you guys said, man, he just looks like he doesn't know what he's doing out on the court a lot of times. Um I obviously I'm happy for him that he dropped 40 points the other day, but you know, if he just consistently has bad games, it's just going to make it easier for us to get over the the hump. And he's kind of just like teasing, teasing us, man, giving us some, giving us a little, little strip tease and just fucking not chewing, not giving us anything after that. Um, so uh, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's time to, it's time to make a move. Um, this season is still very, very much uh, worth salvaging. I think that, if we can make the right moves um, before the deadline, um, get some get some high IQ players on the team, um, we can we like we've said before, man, we can make some noise this postseason, and definitely the next three or four years. So I think 
this this Ugre trade, if, if and when it does happen, should be something that will help not only now and now in the future. And we can get in, we're going to get into that in a little bit, but um, I think that, it, it, like you said, Matt, I think it's over. I don't think it, I don't think it's working. Um, and you know, the the saying is, if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This shit's broke as hell, bro. We gotta fix it. So, um, it's uh, it's time to make a move. Uh, and you know, we'll get into what moves specifically. Um, yeah, I think I think you hitting on um those early season uh, struggles for him are really important because I do think so much of this right now has got to be mental for him, and I think you kind of forget these athletes do see everything you're saying on Twitter. They see that. Yeah, they're on Twitter. Like, they're reading everything. They've, You know, he's definitely seen the, the stats of him not hitting a three for 25 attempts or whatever yeah, it was. Cool. But what ha- I'm sure what happens to this guy, and you got you to love Kelly for, like, the effort to always be in there. But at this point, you got to just wonder how much of this is psychological, how much of this is with like, this specific fan base in this system. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on him now because of that bad start that I don't think would be there otherwise. And so I think – it might even – I think he likes being a warrior, like I said, and I think for both sides, mm-hmm. so, um, it might be best to put him in a place where, you know, things are a little more simplified for one and where the Warriors can get uh, a, a higher IQ guy in his place. I do think it was just – it was kind of funky because in, in on that 40-point night, he – it wasn't just that he was scoring. He did seem to kind of like – it looked like something clicked for a little bit. Yeah, You know, it looked exactly. like he was making the next play. It looked like he was passing the ball a little more, and then uh, – he, the biggest thing from that night, I took was how well he looked with the second unit, which is something that we obviously have said he doesn't really fit in. But I think with the second unit, he just – maybe it was just him being aggressive and, like, it worked out, like you said, Charlie. But um, it, it just looked like something clicked. And to just have another game last night where, you know, he's back to the same old shit, that it was just like, damn, like, it, it, we're going to need – like, we're going to have to put together a stretch of games very soon where we, you know, kind of get some separation – um, from, you know, just that win-loss column and kind of build our build our rankings in the standings. So um, a lot of that's going to come down to Ubre, you know, putting together a stretch of good games. And if you can't even do that for, you know, two games, like, it, it's 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 over, man. Like, so yeah, like you said, when, yeah. When the Warriors win, it's funny that you mentioned that, man. Because when they win, I think he averages something like 18, 17.5. Yeah, and then when they lose, he averages like eight. And like shoots like twenty percent. It was it's something's got to give soon, and it's got to be it's got to be a string of uber good games or a three game winning streak. This team can't seem to figure one of those out, uh, and they don't seem to be um, unrelated. So I think they got to figure something out there. Uh, Charlie, you want to close this out, man? With some thoughts, and we'll take a little break. Yeah, yeah. Just before we get into all the trades, I think you know Gotham, you brought up a good point too that I think with Ubre, you know, he was making the same decisions when he dropped his forty bomb. It was just that so much of the circumstance had changed around him. And, and the shots you know, went all, in. The shots went yeah, in. Yeah, and the that, shots went in. And the shots went make in. or miss league, and when you make it, 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 it looks good on the stat sheet for sure. And a win's always yeah. nice. And I think, it's, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, like some guys just get into like a mechanical funk and sometimes they get into a mental funk. And sometimes that's a hard thing to break out of. So a big part of that is just confidence. You know, like you see him go in, you feel like they can go in again. Like it's that simple, but – I think with Ubre, it's pretty clear that, you know, when the Warriors get back to health, like the circumstances around him are going to be changed. And what we've seen is he does the same things over and over again. So I don't necessarily like, you know, it's, it's tough too, because I view him as like, I, I love him as a, a guy. I think he has a lot of potential as a player. If he can, you know, really get into the right system that like helps him learn and, you know, maybe don't throw him into the fire too fast. 
but I think when you look at it from this perspective, like if the Warriors want to at least try to mix things up and do anything with this season, something really has to change in the next two weeks. And whether that's a complete overhaul in the way they play him, the way he plays, or whether it be a trade, like something really has to change or else we can pretty much, you know, lock it in for just struggles down the stretch, you know, win one, lose one. Yeah, I think it's a good thing to hit on too. I think mentioning last game in conjunction with this game is huge because uh, we talked about recording the pod on uh, Friday, I think, after that first, you know, 40 point explosion. And I, the reason I wanted to wait until afterwards is I wanted to see if there was anything, uh, you know, substantial or real to Kelly, you know, thriving in the small lineup and looking like maybe that four spot was going to be what's good for him and a really spread floor. Um, and it doesn't seem like there's any correlation with what, what brings about a good game from him, man. It looks like no matter, like, you don't – it can be uh, that San Antonio game, he had a great game. It can be a random Minnesota game. It can be that Dallas game. There's nothing that seems like there's some pattern that goes with him having a great a great showing. You know, it's, I, think it's what, I think it's what cereal eats in the morning, dude. Some shit like that. You can't predict it. It's got to be something, man. <laughs> but, yeah, there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of correlation between what, how to get him to be successful offensively. And it's like, again, I don't think the defensive dividends – he's uh, providing are worth the offensive drop-off any longer. So I think uh, after this, guys, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to tell you about um, Anchor, our, our sponsor, and then after that, we're going to come back and discuss some potential uh, Kelly Oubre moves to make. So thanks for listening, guys, and we'll be back in just a minute. Okay. You, you. Yo, yo, guys, welcome back. Um, hope you guys enjoyed our message from Anchor. Shout out. Thanks for uh, helping us post stuff on Spotify and Apple Pods. Um, so like we said before the break, um, we kind of touched on it. Kelly Oubre not working out, bro. It's, it's a, this is kind of a science experiment gone wrong. Um, blow up in your face kind of deal. Um, so, uh, Charlie, Matt, um, trades, uh, regarding Oubre or just other moves you want to see the team make. Um, Charlie, I know you were, uh, you were, you were making a lot of trade machine stuff and sending it in. So I'll let you get started, brother. Yeah, I've been uh I've been known to get a little weird with the trade machine. So I think two so like the the principles I sort of looked at are if you're gonna make an Ubre deal, you need to replace his defensive ability at least, and you need to be able to bring in another player who can contribute to the rotation. Cause I think we've seen this team is definitely not deep enough. If they insist on keeping Smiley on the roster, pool, whatever's gonna happen. You need to bring in another guy somehow, I think, who can make a difference. So those are the kind of conditions that I'm working with. So actually, the Knicks sort of fucked up my first one this morning, which was very not cool. But uh, I think they can still make a deal. The deal I'd like to see is Ubre and ideally that Minnesota 21 second. I think that would be enough to get it done because I think when you're looking at that, you know, it's probably going to be 31 uh, and I'd like to see them do that for DeLon Wright and Steve Luke. I think that gives them a good starting guard in DeLon Wright. I think he's a smart defensive player. He makes enough good decisions on the offensive end that he's not going to kill us like Ubre does. And Spee, we know what Spee is. I mean, the dude's just an absolute sniper. And I think just adding another guy on that team who can give us some looks from three is huge. Um, a couple that I looked at sort of in tandem, I think, just to add to the center position, I looked at Cleveland just on the same principle of adding that Minnesota 21 pick for Torian Prince and JaVale McGee. I think, you know, more or less the same thing, like have a guy you can plug in who's a smart basketball player in Torian Prince. He's good on the wing. I don't necessarily know if he can fill that two guard spot, but 
He gives us a lot more quality minutes off the bench as a three. And we know what JaVale is. I mean, JaVale still works for the system perfectly. Even if we want to run a, want to run a little smaller, I mean, the dude can still run the floor. He's a decent shot blocker still, and he plays above the rim. And I think we definitely need that. Um, my pipe dream one that I'm really hoping if the Warriors want to go a little more all in on this season than I think a lot of us would expect. I'd love to see them call up Houston, see what it takes to get Victor Oladipo. Uh, I think if you package Ubre, Pool, possibly uh, Warriors 2022 first, unprotected, maybe that Minnesota second. I'm not sure how much value Oladipo brings there, but I think, you know, the dude's an incredibly smart player. He would be our clear-cut second scorer next to Steph this season. He doesn't come with any commitment past this year, so I think he's a perfect stopgap for when Clay wants to come back. And I think he just gives us, you know, that kind of that kind of stab in the West. Like, you need a little star power to make some noise out here. So I think that's kind of the the absolute dream scenario. Brother, did you have the Minnesota first in that Oladipo deal? I had our first uh, in 2022. I'm not entirely sure. You know, I think with Vic expiring and just kind of the way things have gone for him recently, I don't know if he's the kind of player that uh, Houston can leverage the Minnesota pick out of us. Um, and I think they're the kind of team that values, you know, like when you look at that Minnesota second rounder that we have, that's going to end up being like one of the more valuable trade assets we have because we might be just be able to go to teams and say, Hey, you can have whoever you want that falls out of the first round and for a real cheap deal, probably get them for three years. I mean, I think that's a huge piece for us. Yeah, I totally agree. That, that picks, it's, a, it's a first round pick. Basically, it's a first-round pick in the same sense as 28 picks a first-round pick. So, I think that's also – it's a huge asset. Um, with Oladipo, I, I do just wonder how much uh, – it'd be a short-term – it'd be a short-term move, 100%. It would be something for this year, like you noted. It'd be something that would definitely um, – it, it would keep them more than relevant, possibly vault them into a higher higher seed in their end. So, I think that one's really interesting, man. I think I like your use of that Minnesota pick there. I don't think they can trade the 22 picks. I think they can't – you can't trade your first and back-to-back drafts. But uh, yeah. and their pick this I, year is protected. If it goes to um, OKC, then they wouldn't be able to trade it. But I guess they could put a, a similar protection on the 22 pick to where if it falls in 23, maybe they get it then. Yeah, I forget. I mean, the Stepien rule is a nightmare for, like, how it actually works. But I'm pretty sure they can work out some sort of way to attach the pick, assuming that, like, I don't think it necessarily has to be your first round pick that you own because the Minnesota pick I believe would still count for our Stepien rule. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we're still picking in the first this year would allow us to trade it next year. Now I don't know if that means, you know, we have to make the pick beforehand or whatever, but yeah. could get a little creative. And if not, they can t- trade 2023, you know? Yeah, that's true. And I also, I like the, the Torian Prince idea a lot too. And just a solid way. He's been hit a rough start of the year for Brooklyn, but it's played a lot better in Cleveland since then. Um, kind of does give you what you want. Also, two years on his deal, it gives you a second wing next year, too, if they want to roll that way. So I like that a lot. Um, I also was thinking a bit about, I think you're mentioning Derrick Rose with the Knicks messing that up. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that would be fun. I'd be curious. They, they could have gotten Rose with that uh, injured player exception. That would have been a cool move. But, yeah, getting – I mean, if you could flip Uber for that guy, that would be, be fine. It also gives you a backup point guard, which the Warriors, I mean, clear as night, desperately need. Um are those, a lot of, those are solid, Charlie. I like those, man. Uh, I think they'd be, they'd, they all carry the Warriors into at least, you know, I think 
certainty a top six, I feel like, if they can stay healthy. Um, on a similar note, yeah, I kind of looked at it through the lens of if you're going to trade Ubre, you do want – like you said, you want to maintain that defensive aspect. Uh, you, but I also want an improvement in basketball IQ. And I think uh, this – my favorite deal uh, will kind of be similar to Gotham's, actually, when he gets to it. But uh, I have Ricky Rubio, just, uh, Kelly for Ricky straight up. Um, if it takes that first uh, – our Minnesota 2021 second-round pick, I might do that still just because uh, Ricky is just uh, – Rubio is a smart player, man. He's one of the smartest players in the league. Um, he's a pesky, pesky defender, and he's going to offer you both those things throughout. And it gives you – he can play shooting guard. He's played next to uh, guards for most of his career now. He's played next to Russell a lot now. I played next to Booker a lot last year uh, where he wasn't always the primary ball handler. Um, so I think that would be a nice fit. And, again, just gives you someone to throw at the second best uh, guard or wing on the other team and also somebody to run that second unit for you. So I'd love to see Rubio in Golden State. He's also on a two-year deal. So the perks there are kind of double. So if, let's say, Golden State strikes out in the draft, they can't draft a point guard, you have a backup point guard next year. You have a solid backup, and you have a solid um, foundation there. He'll also be an expiring contract next year, which is an asset in and of itself. You know, get some money off somebody else's books if uh, Rubio's not working out. Um, and my second deal was uh, Paul Millsap. And I don't think – I don't think Denver does this because Paul Millsap's really – he's good. He's good in um, some crunch time moments. But he's a little older. Um, I think he's also on a one-year $10 million deal, so it'd be a swap for a swap there. But I think Oubre is the kind of player who could actually kind of thrive in Denver with someone like Jokic kind of operating what he does and with a little more spread offense with Barton and Murray uh, out there. And I think that actually would be a decent fit for, um, for Denver. And they also don't have – their wing defense is, is not awesome. Uh, at all and I think Uber kind of shores that up it gives them someone to throw at you know Paul George or Kawhi um, LeBron not that anybody especially Kelly is necessarily stopping those guys but it gives them an option there that they don't have right now um, and that in conjunction with even Jermichael Green you know it gives you two guys who can you can throw at the other team's wing and feel you know 60 70 percent okay about it so those are my two um, I don't know with Rubio how much uh, going back to Rubio I don't know how much they're willing to deal with Golden State anymore after what happened last year how much they're willing to help but it does get the money off their books they're going to suck for a long time uh paying rubio does not necessarily seem to be in their best interests for two more years and kelly's an expiring contract uh they can probably get them on the cheap next year if they want to um denver already mentioned why i'm not sure they do it but i think they both moves that uh potentially improve golden state and i want to you know again if they need to include their assets pools there that 21 second round pick minnesota is a valuable 21 pick or second round pick so those are my two biggest there what are your guys thoughts I like that, man. Uh, anytime you're training with Minnesota, I think, like you said, it works. <laughs> it works out great for us. <laughs> Game is Wiggins, Steph Curry, um, that pick. So I like that. The Millsap one, I think, was interesting. I thought it was interesting, at least. Um, you know, I've I've always, like, I've seen Paul Millsap, like, obviously we all have, like, since he was in Utah, like, back in the, like, 06 or whatever, the playoff run or whatever. Um, but, um, yeah, I thought that – I think Millsap's interesting. I think he'd help um, – I just think he's kind of old. Um, he's still good, but I feel like, um, and I'll, I'll touch on this right before I like pre, uh, pre- preface mine. But Charlie, uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I think I love the idea of having Millsap in the fold too. Um, I think the one thing is I think that would come with the condition of, I mean, he's exclusively a four right now. I mean, I had to check. I was pretty sure, but 91% of his minutes coming at the four this year. So 
I don't really think he's a guy we can work into those small ball looks. So I think what that does assume is, you know, we have the health back of Looney and Wiseman and that Draymond can play more of that small ball five. But honestly, man, a Millsap uh, Draymond front court, that is – I mean, that would be pretty good. That's interesting. I mean, like you have two smart, long defenders who still, you know, play well above their means. I think they're really smart guys. And I think, Matt, you hit it on the point that, like, what we're trying – you know, just bringing smarter basketball players into the room is a huge four-raiser for this team. Yeah, what are your guys' thoughts on the Rubio deal? I like Rubio. I've never honestly been the biggest fan of him. Just That's just me personally. Um, I always think he's obviously a very smart basketball player, but I just think his his lack of – shooting ability I think wouldn't fit in it would just be another guy that can't shoot on the court for us um especially right now we need to surround Steph with shooters um although I do think he's a solid uh backup point guard option um so I I I'm personally just I'm not a Rubio fan but um uh, I think it's a good deal um if you can get that for um I think I think Ubre just um like upside wise I feel like offers more than what Rubio would so I'd want to get more out of that deal, um but yeah uh personally not a new Rubio fan but I think he'd fit in and I think he'd be a great facilitator especially for that second unit which Wanamaker clearly isn't so that'd be an upgrade. I I actually you know the reason I like it too is I think Rubio is one of those guys where if you surround him with above average talent, which he hasn't had at a lot of points in his career. But he definitely had that for some stretches in Utah, and he definitely had that in Phoenix. I think he is really – like, when he has those guys around him, it really allows him to play his game. I think when you can put defensive attention on him, it's a nightmare. And he really can't, you know, make his own shots at all. I mean, you see that with this Minnesota team. Like, it's it's a disaster, especially with Cat and D'Lo missing these stretches. But when you put him into those situations, not only does he thrive, but then he elevates the play of everybody around him. And I think that's the really interesting thought is he swings so drastically with who's playing around him that maybe the idea of having him surrounded by Wiggins, Steph, Draymond, Looney, Wiseman, for the most parts, I mean, that's a lot of talent and that's a lot of basketball know-how around him. And like you said, Matt, too, having him be essentially like the not only the backup point guard, but a guy who can be on the floor with Steph and be, you know, sort of a creator with the ball in his hands when, you know, Steph's trying to get those open looks. I could definitely see that being a move that works out. All right. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll close out this little trade segment. Um, so mine, um, I think for what we need to get from some by trading Ubre is – a, someone, like you guys said, high basketball IQ, guys that will fit in the system, a backup point guard, um, somebody that can, you know, sh- make an open shot. Um, I think we can do all of that. And But my biggest thing, I think, is um, I think we got to get someone that will also um, be here long term and will fit in once Clay comes back and will really add the, to the depth of this team, which already has the potential to be a very deep team as we close out, you know, the Steph Clay Draymond era. Um and that is my big ball brand brother, Lonzo Ball. Um, I've uh, I said it before the draft. I wanted to draft Lamelo, um, especially when Clay went down. Um, I remember me and Matt were talking about it on locker room, and uh, I was like, yeah, you know, a little overreacting to Clay's injury, but also like 
obviously the kid's killing it right now. But um, I think if we can get the older ball brother, um, I think Lonzo provides this team with um, just a great the, uh, he's able to knock down open shots. Um, he's kind of picking up his percentages this season after a slow start. And I think a lot of that slow start is um, just playing in Stan Van Gundy's offense. Kind of kills guys like Lonzo, J.J. Redick as well. Um, so I think he'd fit in great there. Um, I think backup point guard-wise, um, the guy's been a starter his whole career. Um, so he knows how to play. And his when uh, when he's on the court, um, the plus-minus of the people around him just get better. Granted, he's playing with guys like Zion, Brian, uh, Brandon Ingram, um, guys like that. But, you know, just to have the guy that uh, that knows to give you the ball in the right situations just speaks to his IQ. Um, and I think that's the biggest – that's his biggest asset, his IQ, his defensive ability. I think, like, uh, pound for pound, he'd make up for Oubre um, as well. He's a researcher for free agent as well, so he'd be able to lock him up for long term. Um, and I just think – I just imagine a lineup of something like, you know, Steph, Lonzo, Clay. Draymond and then tossing anyone else you got two facilitators out there two great defenders on the wings and Clay and Zoe, uh, Clay and Zoe. obviously you got Steph and Clay um, Draymond um, so I just think having somebody like Lonzo he's kind of a jack of all trades um, not really a master of any but he can hit the open three he's shown he can do that he's a great facilitator um, so I think the deal that um, I've been seeing online a lot of it was uh, either like Lonzo and Redick for Ubre or Lonzo and Hart for Ubre and a pool and a pick or something so I don't know exactly like the exact specifics but I want to see I want to see Lonzo Ball repping a Warriors jersey because I think um, pound for pound he makes up for all the stuff Ubre does well and doesn't do well and I think that given in the right system especially in an offense that you know is predicated on moving the ball he's one of the best passers in the league um, so I think he's going to fit in great um, and just will really provide that that second unit, a lot of just um, just fluidity that we're not really seeing right now. So I think that Lonzo Ball in the Bay Area, man, uh, big ball, Brent Flat die. Yeah, I think that's probably one of my. I mean, if, if Lonzo is not, it's probably my favorite trade. It's probably my favorite one, just because he is <laughs> like all the things I said about Rubio earlier. I think Lonzo is that and a little more. Like you said, mm-hmm. starting to knock down threes at a higher clip. Um, and, and defensively, I love this about both him and Steph that they're almost perfect for each other in a way where Steph obviously does not need the ball at all to be successful. Uh, and Lonzo has shown that strangely. He needs the ball. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not always though. And he's someone who can kind of function off the ball. He's just so smart. And I think he's also big enough to be your shooting guard, you know, and I think. He's six, 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 seven. It's like, yeah, exactly. Like you said. So that's, that's almost a perfect fit. And I do love the idea, you know, when, when Clay's back, that's a fun lineup and even throwing, you know, um, Wiggins at the four sometimes might be an option there too. Mm-hmm. Be fun. Yeah. Um, and even also, I think it's also important to know, you know, the Warriors do have that, that pick they have in Minnesota is protected. So there's a chance. I think the dream with that pick is Jalen Suggs, at least for me personally, getting yeah, guard and point guard of the future. There's a chance that pick doesn't convey, you know, and there's a chance they don't get, they're not able to get a good point guard for the next year. And I think if they can get Lonzo and have some stability, at least for the next couple of years, that backup point guard spot, that'd be huge. And also have someone who, uh, can spell Clay, can spell Wiggins, um, both would be awesome. So I, I love that idea. Uh, I do kind of wonder now if Lonzo's playing himself out of Ubre, because yeah. he's playing really, really well. Um, I think it might even take, if that were to happen, I wouldn't be surprised if it took uh, Kelly Lee, uh, that Minnesota second, that second round pick and maybe pool mm-hmm. two, uh, just because he is playing real, really well. And I think, you know, you mentioned Josh Hart as another uh, potential piece in that trade. I think it's kind of been talked about a little bit too. 
Um, that'd be a that'd be a dream. Josh Hart's also a smart basketball player. Great smart player. basketball player. Um, player knows where to be, knows what to do. Can shoot a little bit. Uh, not necessarily what you think of him, just based on his reputation, but he can shoot the ball a little bit and just hustle, plays good defense. So, uh, yeah, the Warriors can pull that off. That's my favorite scenario. I think because he's a plug and play kind of guy. Josh Hart's also a plug and play kind of guy. He's kind of like a Bazemore esque type of player in a lot of ways, I think. Um, so I do love that one. Charlie, what do you think? Yeah, I think a lot of it depends. You know, I'm a let I'm a little less sold on the Reddick pairing with Lonzo because I think what you said about Josh Hart is spot on. Like not only is he a smart basketball player, but he's a very versatile basketball player. And, you know, JJ Reddick's about as one dimensional as they come. And as much as his shooting would be a welcome sight and it would be a lot of fun to be able to run him with stuff. I think Josh Hart is very good defensively, very competent offensively. He's a decent enough three-point shooter. And also the dude is a hell of a rebounder for a guard. Like, the, I mean, I'm, I shouldn't say guard. I mean, he's been more of a wing recently. But, I mean, if your backup three is giving you six, seven boards a game, that's he's huge. so many problems for us. He's always, yeah. also like and, a low-key, just great athlete. It's not yeah. talk about a lot, but Hart's a really, really good athlete. You see him, I like on that note, I'm sorry to cut you off, man, but you do see him sometimes flying into these rebounds like a Russell Westbrook kind of way where he's coming from nowhere and just grabbing these boards. So I, I totally agree, Charlie. Yeah, and I think that's something we've needed too where, you know, it's it gets frustrating at times because, you know, Kavan just doesn't have the burst he has upwards anymore. And Wiseman's still really working on, you know, actually like doing the securing of the rebound at the end. You know, when it comes time to put, hand on ball like it's just it slips away sometimes so having a little extra energy in there would be huge and yeah I think you know having more athleticism on that wing is something that's really important I think you know even with Ubre Wiggins all these guys they've brought into the fold they're still you know a mediocre team in terms of athleticism if not below average by NBA standards so I think having multiple guys in there uh, and, you know, especially with Lonzo. I mean, the guy brings everything to the table Oubre does offensively. I mean, he can, you know, play above the rim. He's a great finisher. But having him as, you know, not only a guy that can play to Steph, but be that backup point guard, I think he combines really a lot of the best things that we were talking about in these deals. You know, he's got some of those aspects that Rubio would bring to the table while he doesn't, you know, completely get rid of everything positive that Kelly was doing so I think that would be probably the best trade for the Warriors to make yeah and I, I do think though just on the shooting note uh he like Dawson said again he's picking it up I think he's been he's been lights out the last week or so yeah and again what you see it was on on display last night like no others you get open shots when you play with Steph Curry you know and Lonzo will yeah. get open threes and he's uh, showing he can hit him that's the biggest thing like Ubre. For all his, you know, that that the biggest issue is he's not hitting his open shots. And, um, you know, Lonzo coming in, um, the confidence you can see is rising. He's putting together a good string of games. I think that's the only good thing about Oubre having these games as well because I think both of them are elevating their trade statuses for for each other, hopefully. Um, so that would be that would be the dream scenario, hopefully. Hopefully we can figure that out. Um, I do almost wonder what it would take, what, what Oubre's role in Minnesota is, though, on that note where – I'm, I'm, I, I go through phases. I'm like, why would, why does New, sorry, not Minnesota. Why does New Orleans do New that? New Orleans. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why uh, I think a lot of, we, we're going to have to entice them with that second round pick. Um, maybe our, whatever the other pick you were talking about, our first round pick, um, 2022 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, however that works out. Um, so I think it's going to take, it might take a little bit, but I think 
long-term wise and just personnel wise, I think the biggest thing that we've seen is we need smart players. Um, and if we can get guys like Lonzo and Josh Hart for Ubre, would suck to see someone like Damian Ligo, but you know, whoever, whoever it takes, I think for uh, for a reasonable, uh, for a reasonable asking price, I think that, um, I think it'd be a fair, uh, fair thing to give up, especially for right now. But I think especially um, for next season, once Clay comes back healthy and we really solidify what this post um, dynasty Warriors lineup will look like. Um, but that being said, um, any any other last minute stuff, or should we get into a quick little Super Bowl prediction round? I think that covers it on our end. Let's talk about this. Covers game. it for basketball, man. Let's uh, let's do a little quick pivot. First game six, Clay uh, football take. Um, we got we got we're kind of getting a Jordan versus LeBron, Steph kind of moment. You know, it's a Jordan versus Kobe moment. You got you got your boy Tom Brady, forty three, still got that chiseled ass fucking. Um, thing jawline, and uh, then you got Patrick Mahomes, who looks like a six six Steph Curry. Um, who would you guys take? Um, what's uh, what are your score predictions? Um, let's do a little rapid fire round before we get out of here. Uh, I'm gonna do yeah. quick, real quick. I just I would just say uh, I pick Chiefs, man. I I emotionally I feel like it's just a cool matchup. Obviously, you know you got the goat in Brady, uh, 43 years old. You love to see the old guys succeed. It's one of my favorite things in sports is watching old men dominate, you know. <laughs> I think LeBron is so awesome, man. The guy's 36. Brady's 43. You know what I mean? Uh, but with Mahomes, man, I just feel like – I feel like you can't stop the Chiefs, man. I feel like uh, – I, I think they're going to score a lot of points. I'm not going to make a prediction for how many, but I think they're going to score a lot. Uh, I think it's not going to be the closest game, like a lot of people are predicting, but – I'm stopping there. The Chiefs win, man. An uh, epic Mahomes performance. Ooh, I might be the only one on the Bucks then. Uh, I mean, I don't know, man. I it's so hard to bet against that team. Like, man, like Brady's just that dude's such a dog. Like when it comes down to it, and always gets it done. But I love what you said too, Gotham. Like the Jordan Lebron, you know, sort of thing. Like. I feel like it's going to be so crazy. You know, like my gut tells me that like 15 years from now, you know, when Mahomes is like 40 and retiring, we're going to look back on this and be like, damn, Damn. like here's Brady, here's Mahomes. Maybe this game is the one that, you know, kind of like swings the goat. Yeah, because it's not it's not very often you see like, you know, the past goat and the future goat come together. We got robbed of it in 09, man, in basketball. Kobe and LeBron. LeBron can take care of business, man. That's tough. yeah. It's a damn shame, but I, that's I'm excited for that tonight, and I think, yeah, I think the old old dogs got one more in them. One more in them, yeah. I mean, I I like that. Um, I'm uh, as I said earlier in this thing, I'm a big sports betting guy, and the Bucks have made me a lot of money. So you know, if, like I said before, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm up a good amount from them, so I'm gonna be one time for the one time uh, rooting for Tom Brady. Never been a Tom Brady guy, but. Um, I'm going to be uh, reporting the rooting for my old high school rival. Um, uh, shout out San Francis and Sarah High School. Um, and uh, the Chiefs beat the Niners last year. Still a salty feeling in my mouth. So uh, I just I love Patrick Mahomes. Don't want to see the Chiefs win another one. Um, just for, for the boys in the, for the red and gold uh, sitting at home today. So, Gotham, you're betting on the Chiefs. You're betting on the Bucks. You bet on the Bucks. I took a money line. Oh yeah, let me get let me get my bets out there. So I'm gonna get uh, I'm gonna take a money line, uh, Buccaneers. I bet on the coin toss just because why not? Um, Tails never I fails. Took, 
Tails never fails, baby. I've been on Tails, <laughs> I think. Uh, and I've got the – who's the – I don't know who the home team is. Uh, whoever that is, I told him. I said I think they're going to defer. So, we got um we got some money on the line tonight. Uh, hopefully, our boy Tom can come come through. Um, hopefully, bigger hopeful is hopefully our boy Bob Myers can come through and uh, make some of these trades happen. Um, Dubs, 12 and 11, 23 games in. Um, I think that we'll uh, we'll be back with another um, breakdown soon. Uh, season kind of look in and do this little um, DPE pod as we're talking about too. Um, you know, hopefully Steph has another couple sixty point games we can break down. Um, so a lot of content coming from us here at Game Seas Clay, guys. Um, you guys want to shout out anything coming up? Yeah, I'm gonna be working on a on a uh, pushback against the Jonathan Sharks piece from the Ringer talking about how uh, the Warriors should trade trade the farm for Bradley Beal. I'm be writing a pushback piece on that one because I think it's a ridiculous idea. Trade everything they have in the treasure chest for him. Um, <laughs> so look for that. Look for that this week, guys. Uh, Charlie. Yeah, I'm uh, working on a little thing too. A little too early to tease, but hopefully we should have that up in a week. And uh, yeah, follow me at ClayPiest11 on Twitter. Follow the pod account at Game6ClayPod. And yeah, check us out. More coming soon. Let's ride, boys. Um, a lot more content coming. We got a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of stuff dropping, like they said. Um, so check us out. Like, comment, subscribe. Pretty sure that's a YouTube thing, but hey, screw it. I'm out. <laughs> okay, Later, guys. Listen, guys.